Good afternoon, everybody. Truly, it's a blessing to be here on this Sunday afternoon. We thank Mark, George, Rod, all those who are here, Jamal, and Karen. And our title of message today is Tell God Everything. We need to be open with God and honest with God. Or say, Sometimes we may say stupid things and pray stupidly, but I said, but Lord, you're the only one that knows. Because, see, God knows it already. But let me give you a little history on the book of Luke. Every birth is a miracle. Every child is a gift from God. But nearly 20 centuries ago, there was a miracle of miracles. A baby was born, but was not the son of God. The gospel tells of this birth, but Dr. Luke, as though he were the intending physician, provides most of the details surrounding this awesome occasion with divine faith and human, the human mother, Jesus entered history, God in the flesh. Luke affirms Jesus' divinity, but the real emphasis on his book is to show Jesus' humanity. Jesus, the Son of God, is also the Son of Man. As a doctor, Luke was a man of science and he was a Greek. He was a man of detail. It's not surprising he explains that he is reporting these facts. Luke 1, 1 through 4. Luke also was the close friend and the traveling companion of the Apostle Paul. So he could interview other disciples, had access to other historical accounts, as was the eyewitness of the birth and the growth of the early church. His gospel and the book of Acts is our reliable historical documents. Luke's story begins with the angel appearing in Zechariah, then Mary telling them of the upcoming birth of their son from Zechariah as let us become John the Baptist. Let me put a pen here for a minute. I always like this part where Luke is in the temple. And the angel tells Luke, tells Zechariah not to be afraid. And when he told Zechariah the good news, he said, how I knew these things will be. You'll be a dumb for a season because you don't believe me. God really worked that out. If you remember the story in the Bible where he, he, after the child was born, they wanted to name the child. And there's nobody in the name. And that found a name by John. What do you say, Zachariah? His name will be John. That's in the Word. If you get a free time, just read Acts, uh, Luke 1. And John the Baptist was born who would prepare the way for Christ. And Mary would conceive by the Holy Spirit. And she bore Jesus, the Son of God. Soon after John's birth, Caesar Augustus would declare the census. And so Mary and Joseph traveled to Bethlehem, the towns of David, the ancestors, and there a child was born. Angel announcing joyous events of the shepherds who rushed to the manger. And when the shepherd left, they were praising God 
spreading the news. Eight days later, John was circumcised and dedicated to God. In the temple where Simon, Simon had said, he laid his eyes upon the Savior. He said, my eyes have seen the salvation. Let me close my eyes and go in peace. And the woman was there continually praying, confirmed Jesus' identity as the Savior, their Messiah. Luke gives us a glimpse of Jesus at age 12, discussing the theological with the doctors, the teachers, and the elders, the law of the temple. That's Luke 2, 41 through 52. The next event occurred 18 years later, when we read John baptized before beginning his public ministry. Luke 3, 1 through 8, 38. At this point, Luke traces Jesus' genealogy and his stepfather, Joseph's side through David the Abraham back to Adam, underscoring Jesus' identity as the Son of Man. After the temptation, in Luke 4, 1 through 13, where it says, Man must not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. It is written. And it says, Get thee behind me, Satan. It is where we serve the Lord only. We shall be no other God. And then the next one was, don't tempt the Lord thy God. It is written. And then during the group of the 12 disciples, naming them 1, 5 through 1 and 10, 27 through 29. Later Jesus commissioned to the disciples and set them out to proclaim the kingdom of God. When they returned, Jesus revealed to them the mission, his true identity, and what it means to be a disciple of Christ. Luke 9 through 18, 62. That final verse in that chapter says, He who puts his hands to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. We must press forward. No matter how many mistakes you do, how many things you do wrong, you keep pressing on. His mission would take him to Jerusalem, where he would die on the cross for your sins. We'd be rejected, tried, and crucified. Jesus carried his own cross to Golgotha. Some women in Jerusalem wept for him. But Jesus told them, weep for yourselves and after their children. But Luke compelled gospel accounts of Jesus' resurrection from the dead, his appearance to the disciples, and his promise to send the Holy Spirit. Luke 24, 1 through 53. He sends the Holy Spirit into our lives. But the grave cannot hold him. His resurrection assures and a continuous of his ministry as we carry it on today and seeking to, to saving the lost. Yes, there's lost people out there that need to know this Jesus. That's why we're up on 69th Street. Compel men and women to come to the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. After appearing a number of occasions to his disciples, Holy Spirit promised, they were promised the Holy Spirit you receive help. I always look at it, think about Acts 1.8, we're in that chapter 11. And when Jesus sent up in heaven, these two men were walking by and wiped remnant. And they said to the disciples, why are you looking up? The same Jesus going up will be in you. And the next chapter was the Pentecost. I always tell people, Jesus promised the comforter to his disciples. Pentecost is gone. They were in the upper room. We're now have the Holy Spirit to help us, guide us through. 
I think some of our problems, we don't yield to the Spirit as we should. The key words are, Jesus, the Son of Man. Matthew, he was the king. Mark, he was a servant. John, he was the Son of God. By being God incarnate, Jesus often referred to as the Son of Man. The geology of Christ, through Mary, detailed, as are many other specifics, his human characteristics and life. Tell God everything. Tell God everything. Reveal. Reveal is something that's hidden, but you tell it and you bring it forth. I think we need to know, we need to, we must reveal our concerns to God. Nothing, hold nothing back. It says, call unto me. He told Jeremiah, call unto me, and I'll show you great and mighty things that thou knowest not. God wants to hear from us today. We struggle in our ministry, struggle in our lives because we don't talk to God as much as we should. It's very easy to call upon God. It's not about how articulate you pray. It's the sincerity of your heart. It's a hard issue. And it was read in earlier, Cast your burden upon the Lord, and He shall sustain you. He shall never, never suffer thy righteous to be moved. God will not let you fumble or fall. God is with us every day. And it's looking in Matthew. It tells you to ask, and you receive. Seek, and you shall find, and the door shall be opened to you. That means being persistent. First, you have to ask. I think we discussed this before. And then you have to seek it. It's like when I'm looking for I have to look first. Then you have to be persistent. And one in the Bible, and there's many of them, I'm going to use Jacob as the example. Jacob wanted to be blessed by this angel. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Jacob was persistent. If you remember Abraham, he was persistent in the same master. He went to God. God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. God said, would you destroy a city for 50 righteous people? And if you remember this in Genesis 18, and if you remember, he came down to five people. And he asked, Lord, don't be angry with me. See, he was persistent in this. He didn't want people to be destroyed unnecessarily. So it's about being persistent in what we need to God and being open to God about it. And the Bible tells us, and you heard in your reading, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. He tells you, ask. You've got to tell God what you want. Some people say you have to be specific about it. Imagine never being anxious about anything. It seems like an impossibility, doesn't it? We have worries on the job, worries in our homes, worries in our schools, worries in our churches. 
But Paul advised us to turn our worries to prayers. I had a pastor years ago. He had a prayer line on the phone. And he said, if you worry, you're not trusting God. If you're praying, you're trusting God. So you either worry and you're not trusting God or you give it to God. And that's Paul's advice to us. Turn our worries to prayers. Do you want to worry less? Then pray more. Whenever you start to worry, stop and pray. Sounds, e- sounds easy, but it can be done. But you'd be surprised how many prayers God will answer. How much frustration. Because see, God hears you. He hears through the, the Holy Spirit will help you. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Jesus said in John 4, 27, God's peace is different from the world's peace. It tells us, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the word give, give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Don't be afraid of God. Tell God everything. Release it to Him. Get it off. True peace is not found in positive thinking. And if we do that positive thinking, I think some of us would fall by the wayside. It's easy. So it's not about positive absence of conflict. You will always have conflict no matter from the time you get out of bed to you go to bed at night. You will have issues, but see, God is there to walk you with the issues. So it's not about a good feeling. It comes from knowing that God is in control. God's in charge. Our country is a mess. We all know that. But I'm so glad I take the comfort in this. Jesus sees all. Jesus knows all. He knows more than we do. And we know who controls our citizenship in Christ's kingdom is sure. That's a guarantee. Why is that a guarantee? Because you recognize what happened at the cross. You recognize that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. For by grace you say through faith and not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not a works. We can't work this way in. If my salvation ended on my preaching, I wouldn't make it. I would not make it. But I know I'm saved. I have eternal life. So we know where our destiny is. And then 1 Peter 5, 7, Cast all your care upon him, for he careth for you. So remember that Jesus loved us so much, he gave his only begotten son. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, to whosoever shall not perish, but have everlasting love, everlasting life. He died for your sins so that you could have that. So you need to hold on to what God is to you. What he did for you. What he's doing right now. His grace is carrying us through. We need to trust in Jesus Christ. We need to hold on and pray diligently to him. Don't hide Don't hide nothing. Cast it out. Commit it to Him. Release everything to Him. Reveal it. He already knows it anyhow. You can't hide from Him. Release. Release. 
then release our concerns to him. He can do far more than you and I can do with him. Psalms 37, 3 to 5 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Shall thou dwell in the land of brother, thou shalt be fed. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, he delighteth in his way. Commit your way unto him, and he will bring it to pass. Tell God what you need. Committing thy way unto the Lord, trust us in him, and he shall bring it to pass, and it pass. To commit ourselves to the Lord means entrusting everything in our lives. Families, jobs, possessions, people, situations you work with, situations you're concerned about. To his control, his guidance, his commitment. Commit it all to him. Lay it at his feet. He can do more with it than you can. Ourselves to the Lord means trust him. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also him and he shall bring it to pass. He takes care of ourselves better than we take care of ourselves. You need to hold on. We need to really trust God. There was an author by the name of Elizabeth Rockwood dealing with prayers. Unanswered. Answer, our answer. Find peace when God seems like God went on a vacation. God's not around. Where are you, Lord? How many times have you said that? So sometimes if you don't, I call these breathe prayers, such as, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy upon me. Sometimes you don't know what else to say. Or pray without ceasing. Or just say, Lord, help me, please. Lord, make me according to your heart. See, God knows what he wants your heart to be like. So ask that God that prayer. I believe, I believe, I believe. Maybe that's all you can say, but it's, God knows what's behind those words. One word, God can, knows what's behind that. When you, when you tell, when you cast your cares upon him, he already knows what's involved. He already knows. That's why you need to seek his perfect will. And that's why we got the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We want his will to be done. And for a difficult situation, Lord, help me to be faithful to you in this situation, whatever it may be. Help me, Lord, to be your person, a Christ bearer, a love carer. Simple breathe prayers. I have a book of strong breathe prayers, and one of them is about a rock. I said, Lord, let me be your rock. The rock of Jesus Christ on the rock I stand. All oh, the ground is sinking sands. Things that are comforting. You have that relationship with God. And open it all before thee. But the main prayer is seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all things will be added unto you. Doesn't God know your situation? God knows what you need. God knows you're depending on Him. So, and I think at the end of that chapter 625 talks about the anxiety of life. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. God already knows what you need. 
And can you make it any better by doing it yourself? God knows what you need before you even ask it. But he wants you to focus on what he has called you to do. He wants you to focus on his righteousness. Focus on God, and God will take care of your business. So let's focus on that, and that's what we need to do. Then receive. Be open to the answer that God gives. Now sometimes that's where we run into trouble. We may not like, but God's dealing with us. I may not like where I'm at this particular time. But it's where God has me for the time being. For this moment in time. I didn't plan to come and worship this way. I talked to the guy who was the abandoned toy. I talked to him. I got a friendship with him. And after he went off, here I am. God hired a purpose for it, for this time and season. So I have to be satisfied. Thank God it's been a blessing. See, we've got to rest in the Lord, wait patiently for him, for not to suffer because of evildoers, those who prosper in his way. Don't be envious of them. They'll have to be judged for what they do. You focus on what God's doing in your life. You focus on what God wants you to do. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Be not your own understanding. In all that ways, acknowledge Him. And He will direct your path. See, again, it goes back to that. Accept God's perfect will. Set what God has for you. Wherever you are in this life, wherever you stand at this moment in time, accept it. See the good in it. Thank God for it. It's a blessing in disguise. So don't, God knows what he's doing. Better than you or I may know. And then acknowledge him. Yes, Lord, I acknowledge you. When you wake up, you say, good morning, Lord. Let the Lord know. Make him first in the morning. And my suggestion is when you get up in the morning, get, maybe read a few scriptures. But give him a good 15 minutes on your knees and thank God for what he's doing in your life. Talk to God. Because I guarantee something's waiting for you out there today. So trust God. Just commit your life and your works to him. The disciples pray of the model prayer. I just read it. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. His kingdom come will be done in earth as it is in heaven. We should delight ourselves in the Lord always. Lord, what would you have me to do? I want to do your perfect will. And I started realizing, I said, let me see it how God sees it. Let's look at it from his perspective. What does he think? What does he want? So let me dislike my way in his way because his way is the best way it's the only way it's the only way so we can do that what does he want in our lives resist the devil and he shall flee from you draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to you in John 15 abide in me and I'll abide in you See, without you, Lord, you can do nothing. But if you had let the words of Christ dwell and richly in you, you can talk back to God. 
Quote what God says. Have faith in God. He tells you have faith in Him. Because He chose you. You didn't choose Him. He wants you to bear fruit. He wants you to know the truth and the truth shall make you free. For the Son has already made you free by dying on Calvary's cross. You need to focus on that. Because without me you can do nothing. And I live by two, 1 Peter 4, 2. And I'm trying to live by this. I'm at an age now. I'm not looking for another career. I'm not looking for another position. I'm focusing on God. My prayer is that I will do, finish my life out doing what the Lord would have me to do. Spend the rest of my time serving God. I always serve God, but now focus on that. Focus on what He wants. And then 19, commit my soul to a faithful Creator. Because when they're all said and done at the end of the day, John 3.16 says it all. For God so loved the world, He sent His only begotten Son, who shall be not perish, but have everlasting life. You got to believe that He was born in a stable. You got to believe He grew to be a man. You got to believe that He fed our hungry, He healed our sick, He cast out demons, He walked on water. You got to believe the gospel accounts what Jesus did. He fed 5,000. He opened the blind man's eyes. You can hold on to that. I believe that. And they betrayed him. Jews Iscariot sold him for 30 pieces of silver. Sold him for 30 pieces of silver. He said it had been better than that man not been born. But the idea is that we have to believe what happened to Christ. He died on a cruel cross between two common thieves. One on the right and one on the left. One was wise and one wasn't. The one said, if you're this Christ you're talking about, take us down from this cross. The other one was wise. He said, we deserve what we got. This man didn't do nothing wrong. And I always say, Jesus took care of business before he left. He gave his one disciple a mother. He forgave his executioners. He forgave the sins of the world. And he took a thief into paradise. He said, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. The whole story is about the cross of Calvary. That's the whole thing in a nutshell. Whatever I said before, there's all grouply gone. If the cross is not in the story, the rest doesn't matter. You can be a good man. You still can do all these things. But if you have Christ on the inside of you, you'll be able to do these things and do it with joy. And that's why I say you must know what happened at the cross. Matthew talks about it. Luke talks about it. John talks about it. See, Jesus understands our weaknesses. And sometimes I get discouraged. I'm out on 69th Street handing these tracks out. And they, I'm good. They don't want to hear about Jesus. 
But you know what? I'm so glad that I know this Jesus that we're talking about. That they need to know. And so he understands our weakness, understands sometimes we get discouraged. He knows our temptations. He knows our trials. Jesus came to save both the Jews and the Gentiles. And Jesus came both to save the heathen and the publicans. Jesus came both to save the outcasts and the accepted. Jesus came both to save the poor and the rich. Jesus came to save both adults and children. Jesus came to save the oppressed. Jesus came to save each and every one of us. Now let me tell you how you can live this thing. And This is a quote from Billy Graham about prayer. He said, I believe we should pray that God will take possession of our lives totally and completely. That's a prayer we can all do on our closets. Lord, have your way with me. Order my steps in your word. For your word is a lamp under my feet and a light under my path. Totally submission. We should pray that we will be emptied of ourselves. Self-love, self-will, self-ambition, and be placed completely at the disposal of God. Totally surrender to God's will. Totally surrender to God's purpose. The man upon whose the soldiers rested this initial responsibility of Christianizing the world came to Jesus one supreme request. They did not say, Lord, teach us to preach. Lord, teach us to do miracles. Or teach us to be wise. But they said, Lord, teach us to pray. God welcomes our prayers, no matter how broken up, how the English language is, or whether we do it right or whether we do it right. God's not looking at your words. Thank God he's not. He's looking at your heart. So, God wasn't, and he is much more concerned about our hearts than our eloquence. And thank God for that. I heard a lot of eloquent preaching in my time. I heard a lot of eloquent prayers. I call them the Sunday morning prayers. But I'm glad that God doesn't focus. If my salvation hindered on my eloquency, I wouldn't make it. It hinders on my belief in Jesus Christ and his death and his burial and his resurrection. It hinders on that. Be sure your motives in praying does it glorify God. Is my motive right? Am I doing it for the right reasons? Am I doing it to be seen? Or am I doing it to God or truly be glorified, honored in my life? Be sure your motive is praying. It does glorify God. That's what it's all about. One of our preachers, I think it was Bill. God gives us gifts. So we glorify our Savior. We're not to share them, not to hoard them up for ourselves or use them for ourselves. It's to use them for those around us who need it. It glorifies Jesus Christ. That's why he gave it to us. I heard in the message today, it's not about us. It's not about me. Will I preach good or will I don't preach good? It's not about me. It's about Jesus. It's his death and his burial and his resurrection. We are to serve the risen Savior. God left us here. He's still very much alive. He's sitting at the right hand. He, need, he will hear your prayers. And remember this. Prayer is our lifeline to God. 
That's an open line. You call somebody and, I'm sorry, he's not available right now. Press this, press that. But see, God, once you drop to your knees, and before you drop to your knees, God hears your prayer. I think it talks about in Isaiah, before you even begin to speak, God's answering your prayer. So my prayer is that, that you accept this, because I believe. And think about it on that eighth verse. Will God find faith when he comes back? Will he find us being faithful? Will he find us believing in him? That's a strong question. Because with the way the world is today, it's so hard to be distracted, to be discouraged. So Lord, I want to thank you for this time. I thank you for the hearers of the word. I pray, Lord, they got something out of it. I thank you for allowing me to deliver it. It is in Jesus' name I do pray and with thanksgiving. Amen.